Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice and abundance. My name is Goose. My name is Gabby. And Gabby, what have we talked about today? We talked about flying solo, which means basically for, you know, there's a lot of investors who want or, or not yet investors who want to get started in property, but they're just doing it solo. They're like, it's just me. You know, I might be a 20 year old who, you know, not yet in that phase of life. So, but they, they want to get going now, or you might be, you know, later in life and you've, you've gone through the, the, the travels of life and you might have a few kids and, you know, it's just you at where you are at now. And it's how do I actually move ahead if it's just me? You know, I've got one income, don't have a huge amount of savings. How do I actually move forward? So we kind of pulled that apart today. Yeah. I think it's I think it's super awesome. Uh, mm. a, gr- a really great episode to dig into. It's kind of like if you're the if you're the Amelia Earhart of investing and you want to like fly solo and mm-hmm. and go the distance, then um, the, yeah, Amelia Earhart didn't crash or anything, did she? I hope not. Anyway, so that's <laughs> yeah, good. Yikes. Anyway, if you're if, if you're interested in flying solo, whether you are, as as Gabby said, whether you're 20 <laughs> years old just getting started, 40 years old in your midlife, or you're 60 years old, and you think about what's next. You know, this is a really great episode to kind of talk about how to think about where you're at. Where you're going, what you might need to do to get there, and how to and and the fact that where you start is not where you end, and getting started is actually the most important thing, and the importance of building a team. So I think we covered a lot of good ground today, and we, uh, as always, appreciate your feedback. And if you've got any questions or any topics that you would like us to cover, to cover, you can send us an email to hello at dash with your um, with your topic suggestions, and we will bring them onto the show. So we look forward to that. And if you've liked this, if you think it's valuable, or if you know a solo investor, if you know someone who is thinking about getting started or wants to get started or wants to transform their life and they're flying solo and they don't know how to do it, then this could just be the episode for them. Or in fact, if that is you, then this could be the episode for you. (laughs) But if you know someone else who who is in that situation, make sure you share this with them, send them a link and make sure you like, rate, review on all of the platforms or wherever you're watching or listening to this. Ah, I think that's it. Gabby, let's get stuck into it. Awesome. Ah. Let's do it. All right, guys. See you on the inside. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Investor Lab. You're with your pals, Goose and Gabby. Gabby, how are you? Excellent, as always. How are you? <laughs> I tell you, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Gabby. I, f- I feel a little rough today. Do you? I do. I'm yeah, sorry. Do. What's going on? If you want to disclose, um, no, no, I can, I can <laughs> give me the details. Feel, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little rough. I'm feeling like a little, um, I'm feeling a little, uh, like I might have eaten something a little off. Oh, so well, that's fun. But you know, but aside from that, life's life's good. You know, sun is shining. You know, yeah, there's not, I got nothing to complain about. So yeah, things are good. Things are good. Funny, it's funny when things are all good and you just, it's hard to say anything other than like. Things are good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. It says it's, a lot um, about society, really, if we're just like, yeah, things are good. Whereas when well, things are bad, you're like, bah, this is wrong. Yeah, I, I think it's all about <laughs> perspective. I think you can always see something wrong if you want to look at it in the right on the right angle, right? Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, you know, people need to maintain a really good perspective and maintain gratitude as well, I think. You know, a lot Absolutely. of people can, can, can kind of you know, get lost in the source and look at, 
you know, short-term stresses or, you know, specific things that are happening in their life and look to see, oh my God, this is causing me some level of discomfort or dissatisfaction in this moment right here and right now. And therefore it is bad and life is bad. And it's like, well, hang on a second. Can you, did you eat? Did you eat today? Have you got more than one pair of shoes? You know, like if you got more than one pair of shoes, you're in the top 1%, you know what I mean? And, you know, for most of us, we have our health, we have, you know, we have so much opportunity, you know, like most of the people just doing this podcast have been, you know, born into affluence on a global scale. And, you know, I think, um, I think it's really important that we do celebrate that things generally are good. <laughs> like generally, generally, Things are great, even when they're not. They're pretty awesome, you know. So anyway, that's just Absolutely. my that's my that's my. Word I like where that went. That went. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, started, started with bad sushi, ended up in gratitude. Of course, so. every time that's what happens. <laughs> the sushi, the magic sushi. <laughs> totally. Oh. What are we talking about today? Well, it's actually it's actually a relevant little little soliloquy you went on there because we're going to talk about. Um, you know, property investing, we talk about property investing like it's it's just something that's available to everyone. And so yeah. when people get frustrated that it can't happen for whatever their situation is, it can be frustrating if yeah. you're caught up because of your situation, banks, whatever. But, you know, taking that, that line of thought that you were just talking about, like if you are even able to consider it and you are in a society where you can, you know, conceive it and start to build a strategy and actually put it in place like you are in such a good position such a better position than um a lot of people but this episode is really about um if you are a single person so if you are you know listening to the podcast and you've been thinking like cool this all sounds good like i'm in i'm into property i want to do that i understand the benefits but it's just me and i've only got one income you know you might have some kids you might not have some kids, you might have a lot of savings, you might not have a lot of savings, but it's just you, you got one income. How is this actually possible for me? I don't have a partner, I'm, you know, don't want to have a partner, whatever the situation is, it's yeah. just me. Is this possible? How can I do it? What what how do I get started? Um, yeah, because we've found a lot of, you know, a lot of our clients sign up to work with us. You know, they they're not they're not in a couple, they're just themselves, which is totally awesome. And there can be some extra challenges that come that come into play. Yeah, um, totally. And the questions are basically like, can we achieve all of these results that we talk about if I have a single income? So it's kind of what we wanted to talk about. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point, right? And firstly, there's loads of different types of single people, right? And so the situation yeah. is, is different and there's loads of things to think about because somebody listening to this who is you know, 20 years old and single is going to be going like, oh my God, they're talking to me. And then somebody who is 60 years old and single is going, oh my God, they're talking to me. And guess what? We're talking to all of you, right? And so we have had all spectrum of single people going on an investment journey for completely different reasons, right? And frequently, one of the issues they face is, is finance, right? Either generating the capital required or accessing the debt required. And the situations can vary wildly, but the but fundamentally they face similar issues. You know, I can think of, you know, probably half a dozen clients who are in their, you know, late fifties, early sixties to mid sixties kind of thing. And they're single. They, you know, they once 
they once were married, once, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Kids have grown up. They're, you know, they've, they've gotten divorced. They're solo. They haven't saved anything for retirement. They're looking at, they're looking at the end of their working life in the next couple of years and going like, what the hell is next? And they haven't set themselves up at all, right? That's, that's a fairly common situation. Conversely, I can think of, you know, half a dozen or maybe more than half a dozen, maybe more like a dozen or so uh, clients who are below 25, uh, younger than 25, who, uh, who, you know, some even as young as 18, who are starting their investing journey by themselves just to get themselves set up with a goal to, with a goal to get out of the rat race by the time they're, you know, 30. In fact, probably more than, more than a dozen. You know, and so there's all these kind of different scenarios, and the question, but the question still remains the same: How the hell do you do it? <laughs> you know, like how do you actually get off the ground, and how do you actually get it started? You know, and there's a few other considerations in there. There's like single parents. You know, like how does that work, and all of this kind of stuff. But usually, all of the things are still the same. How do I generate enough capital, and how do I access how do I access enough debt? And I think yeah. that really. First and foremost, it comes down to understanding your goals. What do you think? As as always, as always, it's such a it's really is just a critical part that people overlook, and it's 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 so important because it's how you design the whole map of what you're going to do. Yeah. You know, you can hear all of these strategies and ideas and go, look, I want to buy this kind of property or this, I want to build this kind of portfolio. But if you have a different starting point, that changes it radically but then also if you have a different endpoint being mm. your goal it's a completely different strategy to someone who has different of both of those two points so yeah the goal the goal is critical yeah absolutely now f- fundamentally i have a belief right that you can have absolutely anything that you want in life <laughs> as long as you decide what that is yeah right and this is i think where a lot of people go wrong is that they they sort of want things, but they're not prepared to actually commit to those things. So if you want to be a doctor, look, but barring some significant, you know, uh, mental, uh, you know, incapacitation or so- something like that, barring any kind of like genuine disabilities, um, you can actually go and become a doctor if you want. You just need to go and put in the, you've got to want it enough and you've got to, you can have that if you want. You just need to decide that you want it and that's the thing that you want to do. If you want to build a property portfolio, you can do that, right? And if for some people it's going to be easier and for some people it's going to be harder, but that doesn't mean that it's not doable, right? And so um, I think that that's, a, that's kind of a really interesting thing to, to bear in mind. Like I, I remember um, reading a story about a, uh, a property investor. I, I can't remember his name right now, but he started like so. He went to a like a property investment seminar type thing, and he had no money. Like he was broke. He was on his ass broke. He had nothing going for him. He was like literally just on the seat of his pants. But he got so jazzed up, and he had no support network, no nothing, like no one around him that could support him. Uh, didn't know anyone else in the property, but he got so jazzed up by this property investment seminar that he thought, right, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna do something about this, right? So he put together his investment thesis, you know, and he decided that he was gonna go and find JV partners because he had no other way to get money. Um, 
And so he basically kept at it for like a year. He went to every property event, joined every networking group, <laughs> did everything that he could to meet as many people as he could. Any opportunity that he could get up in front of a crowd and say, hey, this is this is who I am. This is my story. And this is what I'm trying to do. And I'm, I'm looking for investors to join me. He did it. And he did it. And he did it over and over and over again. Now, I think it was like three or four years later, he was a developer with like half a billion dollars worth of projects or something on the go. Like, nice. like. In, insane, like insane. Yeah. Now, his level of commitment and tenacity <laughs> to that cause is like next level. But it's an example of what you can do if you if you really want to put your mind to it. Now, that's a that's an interesting case because he went out, he went around and said, "I'm not going to get here unless I can go raise go go and raise investment capital." Now, different people are in different scenarios, right? And so, if you look at kind of the average, you know. $80,000 income or even $60,000, $70,000 income, once you factor in cost of living, it, your savings rate is probably going to be pretty low, right? And so the first step to getting somewhere is deciding what you want and how you want to get there and how fast you want to get there. Because if you're 20 years old and you're saying, hey, I want to build a property portfolio so that I can retire well by the time I'm 60, right? Well, cool. That's a really kind of like long time frame, And so the speed at which you need or the or the ver- veracity with which you need to apply yourself to that cause is probably going to be different to someone who is 60 and saying, I want to try and retire by the time I'm 65, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's going to, that then dictates what the activities are. Yeah, absolutely. And on that as well, I guess, so there's like, there's long-term goals and then there's also short-term goals. So a short-term goal for a lot of people would be more like, you know, I need to get an extra hundred bucks a week in yeah. income, you know, and I guess those different where you are at in your phase of life as well, like for a younger person, you've got a little bit more control about your expenses and about, you know, your savings. You can, you know, most of the time you can strip back your expenses. If you want to build up your savings, you could maybe still live at home with your folks. I know people don't like doing that, but it's, it's an option when you're younger. Um, and you can control like, you know, I'm going to, you know, not not go out, not going to eat out as much. Like they're, they're the realities of your expenses. They're relatively, you know, you got some more disposable income at a younger age versus in, you know, a, a later stage of life, you already have some commitments. Again, you might have some kids, you might already have, you know, you got bills, you got, you got things going on and there's less control over, you know, just, just, you know, Let's stick to a budget, and I'll just cut back. And it's it, there's less of that control. So at right. a later stage of life, it can be more about, from a short term perspective, how do I actually get more income? Because I'm not earning enough through my employment. Yep. I've got all these bills. I've got mouths to feed. The short term goal is like I need more income today. Versus, yeah. you know, if you're in your twenties, you're more thinking about. There's less need for like I need a hundred bucks extra a week today. That's yeah. it's if you can think a bit more long term. Yeah. Yeah, just just on that, I think that's a really good point. Like, cause there's like different versions of how do I get more money today, right? Because there's the there's the, oh, if I invest my money in property, maybe that can actually create some more money for me today. But then there's the how do I even get to that point? Yeah. No, and I think it's really important. And this goes back to what I said earlier that everyone, anyone, anyone in the world can have anything that they want as long as they decide what it is and commit to it, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So most people have skills, right? Yep. Of some type or can learn skills, right? Yep. Then they have the ability to apply them. Now, if you are 
working, if you are desperate to change your situation and you are working 40 hours a week, you still have some time each week that you could dedicate to doing additional work, right? And that doesn't mean just going, getting a second job, washing dishes or doing something like that. In today's day and age, you can do remote work, right? So let's say, let's say that you are 60 years old and you're a bookkeeper and you're already working a full-time bookkeeping job. Guess what? People want bookkeepers and you can work <laughs> virtually, right? Yeah. And so so you could do you could pick up an extra 10 or 20 hours a week with that you could work from home and you know work on the weekends and actually you could like have a nice time doing it and you could pick up an extra 10 or 20 hours a week doing bookkeeping work, you know, for 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 you know for other businesses anywhere in the country. You could do some jump on upwork and off your services in that way. Now you might not have a skill set like bookkeeping, but maybe you could do something like being a lifestyle concierge or an executive assistant, or there's other ways that you can start to help people and you can do it completely remotely. So this isn't just like, hey, go and get two jobs and schlep yourself around town and, you know, go and, you know, bust some elbow grease. It's like, well, actually, why don't you use a little bit of leverage, you know, and even um, Jason, who is obviously on the on the Dashlot team and has been on the show before, you know, part of the way he got his um, first deposit is he ran an e-commerce store. You know, he basically set up an e-commerce store and made a bit of money off that and put that money towards his his deposit. That's awesome, right? And so you can kind of learn these skills and you can find ways to generate additional capital. Now, the smart way to do it is to find a highly leveraged way to do it, which is to do something like e-commerce or to, you know, create some kind of info product or, you know, like maybe, maybe you're at uni, Right. And maybe you're quite good at your uni work. And maybe you could create a short course for other people who are going to go through the same course on how to you know, study better or what the things they need to know and all of that kind of stuff. You could create some kind of you know, content piece, which you could sell for a fairly small fee. You could put, put a course up on Udemy even, right? and you could sell on there, which would benefit other people all around the world. And you could create an additional income stream there. And so I think getting creative about how you go about generating the capital you need, I think is actually a critical part to it. Because uh, for the people who's, who are working you know, 20 or 30 hours a week and then saying, yeah, but I can't seem to get ahead... Well, I would say it doesn't seem like you're trying, you know, like it, like, and that may seem like a that may seem like a hard and let look. There may be reasons for it, right? That, but, but that may seem like a hard position to take. But if you want to get anywhere in life, you have to put in the extra effort. If you if you are 20 kilos overweight and you never do any exercise, and then you say I can't work out why I'm 20 kilos overweight, well. Um, there's things that you can do. Guess what? You know, you could exercise more. You know, and so finding the finding those methods that you can apply, and it's different for everyone. Even in that example, exercising more doesn't mean getting a gym membership and then going and lifting weights for ten hours a day. It could just mean getting out of the house and walking more. You know, like and Walk so exactly right so so it might sound like i'm saying something harsh but what i'm saying is incremental change makes a really really big difference right so doing something more than you currently are you cannot get to where you want to go if you keep doing the same thing if you do the same thing every day your situation's not going to change so if you want to change your situation you need to change your actions in line with the goals that you want to achieve and in line with the timeline that you want to achieve them and again coming back to it if you're 20 years old and you your goal is in 40 years' time versus if you're 60 and your goal is in five years' time, different levels of action are going to be required depending on the starting point, right? And so you may need to take radical, massive action, or you may only need to take incremental action to get you to where you want to go. But the, the point is 
that in order to change your situation, you're probably going to have to do something slightly different or be prepared to wait. That's the that's the other catch. That's the other catch to it. Because if you can save 100 bucks a week and you're like, I'm saving 100 bucks a week and I am not interested in doing any extra work. I have I I don't want to do anything else to change my situation, but I'm happy to save $100 a week. That's totally sweet, right? You save 100 bucks a week, right? That's that's $5,200 a year, right? That's that's you know four four years to get to twenty thousand dollars, right? Uh, if you were to invest in a you know hundred thousand dollar property, you know you you you're on a ninety percent LVR once you factor in stamp unit and all that kind of stuff, you're still probably going to spend about twenty grand. Cool, you know there's a pathway there for you. However, I would suggest that most people want to progress a little faster than that. Yeah, just before just before we move on from the skills piece, I just wanted to to throw in as well, like. I'm to- I'm talking specifically more about um like the older people who I say older I mean older than you know, people in their twenties. Um, <laughs> Are you saying people older than thirty are old? Just cause... <laughs> it's comparative. It's comparative <laughs> to twenties. Um, yeah, I think there can be uh, this. There is so much opportunity in the current state of the world. You know, so much of it is virtual. Um, that, but there's also skills that you have that people who are currently in positions don't have that employers Mm. want and need help with. So, you know, I know a lot of like people in their, you know, 50s and 60s tend to be actually really good communicators. And like, and, you know, if you've gone through a lot in your life, maybe you've had a couple of kids or you haven't, but you've probably juggled a lot of projects. Like you've probably got good time management. You can do task management really well. You can juggle some stuff. Like there are some skills that you have that are hard to find in people these these days. So there are there are employers that want those skills or if you do freelance or whatever, those kind of things as well that, you know, again, it's that leveraging, like identifying what do I have that is awesome and helpful that I can use that is, comes naturally to me, you know, like picking up the phone and making calls. A lot of people hate doing that these days. If you're totally comfortable on the phone, then there's, there's, there's roles for you. Um, out there as well that can leverage your skills. Yeah, totally. I actually yeah. remember uh, interviewing one of our uh, team members, uh, Megan, and I asked her about her um, her time management skills. And she just looked at me <laughs> deadpan and she's like, I am a single mom with three kids, right? <laughs> Everything around here runs like like a military operation. So yeah. she was like, don't even don't even go there. So I was <laughs> like, it's funny. But, it's, but yeah, but, it, and it, but it's quite funny, right? Because a lot of people, so I, I totally agree with you, right? Everyone's got applicable skills that can be, that that are valuable to someone, and if you're prepared um, to um, put yourself out there, then then you can you can make a make a go of it, right? Yep. The other thing as well is actually to understand your current situation because most people don't really understand what their current situation is. Yep. They might think, "Oh, I can't borrow any money. I'm 20 years old, or I'm only earning 60 grand a year, or I'm, I can't borrow any money. I'm, you know." in yeah. my mid-50s and I'm single. I know for a fact, right, because I've gone through this with loads of uh, individuals and clients that most people don't g- genuinely understand their, fin- their their accurate financial situation. So I can think of one of our clients, Lisa, when she first came to us, she was single, uh, single mum actually, right? So uh, si- single mum of two or three kids. I can't remember. Single mum, two or three kids. Um, and she's on a relatively low income, Right. She's on a relatively low income, so not a high income earner, but 
um, her she had a lot of equity in her home. So she bought a home when when you know in the younger years, you know, subsequently separated from her partner, all of that kind of stuff. She's got equity in home, low income. She'd gone and spoken to a broker who basically said, Oh, look, at a stretch, you can borrow like three hundred thousand dollars. And so she was sitting there going, oh, this is like this is not great. I'm getting to, <laughs> I'm getting to, you know, the autumn of my life, getting towards that stage in life where she's starting to think about, hey, what happens? Like, what's what's next? What's after? Uh, and she's going, all right, I need to try and create some kind of wealth and some kind of income stream and all this kind of stuff. But I can only borrow three hundred thousand. How am I even going to do that? Right? We helped her identify or connect with a better broker, who was able to then identify that she was able, actually able to borrow up to like. 1.2 million or something like that. And then that. as we then started using that borrowing capacity to then build a property portfolio, which then created additional income, her borrowing capacity kept growing <laughs> because she was adding income to, to her, to her uh, income statement. And so, so in a blink of an eye, her whole situation was transformed. And so we've got to remember like, what we're talking about here is flying solo, right? How do you how do you do this when you're single? And everyone's situation is different. Not everyone does have equity in a property which they can leverage, right? But some people do have equity in a property and don't realize that they can do anything with it. And so I think the first step is getting a really good picture of your current situation. And so what that entails is like really taking stock of your assets and your liabilities for a start, right? Because, you know, some people, you know, if you're, you, you may have some money in shares, you may have some money in savings, um, you, you know, you may have some assets, you know, other assets, maybe you own a car, you know, maybe you've got, you know, there's all kinds of different thing, assets that you may have. So take stock of all of those and their value, but then also take stock of your liabilities because people yeah. have like, you know, maybe oh, I've got a $5,000 credit card. It's only $5,000. Oh, it's just a little cheeky one. But, you know, that can have, you know, that could have maybe up to like $40,000 impact on your borrowing capacity. People get things like, you know, buy now, pay later accounts and stuff. That has an impact on your borrowing capacity. And you may not even use them. It might just be like, oh, yeah, but I don't even owe any money on this or I don't even, it doesn't matter, right? That's still classed as a liability. And so, Looking through all of your liabilities is really important as well and connecting with a really good broker, someone who's going to be able to align themselves with your goals, not just someone who's going to write a loan, right? Because if you and 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 you want to you want to speak to someone who doesn't just deal with the big four banks, right? Yep. I know I know loads of people who are still only stuck with the big four banks. And they have really good incomes and they have loads of equity. And you know, their brokers are saying things like, oh, you can only borrow five hundred thousand dollars more. And it's like if you just went to a different, if you just went to a different lender, you'd probably have two million dollars more borrowing capacity based on the situation. So it can make a huge difference. There's over four hundred and four hundred and something um, different brokers in Australia or different lenders in Australia, sorry. Uh, so you can always find a lender that's going to be suitable to your circumstances. Is that to say that the like the big four are generally the most conservative, right? So if you're coming to the table with your situation with the single income and and moderate savings or or whatever, generally the big four may be the most conservative in reviewing the situation. Obviously, we're not brokers, so but just generally um, speaking. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Okay. Right? That is not yep. necessarily true. It's not to say that the big four provide fewer options. Um, the big four can be very, very good. And mm -hmm. sometimes their the rates are more competitive because of the size and the margins they can operate on and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe your situation is not very complex and, you know, maybe it's the right choice. But 
the point being though uh, that you want someone who can look at the big four and also look at other lenders as well yeah. just to see who is the right lender because the right lender for you may very well be a big four or it actually might not be a big four bank and a lot of people have got misconceptions they're like oh if it's not a big four i'm basically going with loan shark or second tier and third tier lender third tier lenders they hang out in alleyways behind dumpsters don't they that's where third tier lenders give me your liver <laughs> yeah 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 exactly <laughs> and that's just it's just not true right mm. there's there's non-banks there's like there's all kinds of different stuff right but understanding how to play the game of finance is kind of is kind of the biggest piece. Yeah, I think obviously with that, it's like finding a broker who I mean a lot of people a lot of people want to do things themselves, right? If you particularly if you're in a situation where you are single, again perhaps you have had some kids, you know, single mum or or but you're used to looking after yourself and you're used to looking after others. So people want to try and go at their own and they're like, oh, I'll just do my own research. I'll look up the banks, I'll compare the, the products. Because you're used to not you don't want to pay fees to mm. to people where you don't have to because finances are tight and whatnot. Um the the cost of a broker, if you can find a good broker, if you're serious about property and changing your your wealth position if you can find a good broker you don't even you don't even notice the fees because you don't pay but there are no upfront fees like the yeah you don't get, pay you don't pay an upfront fee it's a it's a it's a trail fee based on the banks pay the, the banks, the pay, banks the pay them yeah so there's yeah. no there's no there's fee. no cost like it's yeah. it's the best it's the best investment you will ever make because it's Absolutely. free it yeah. costs you nothing right but it can make you literally millions of dollars, right? Yep. Like finding a good broker is one of the best investments you're ever going to make. Finding a good team for that matter. Like, yeah. you know, like getting the right team around you will be the difference, can make a 10x difference to your returns, uh, even factoring in any associated costs. So that includes finding the right property team, finding the right finance team, finding the right legal team, finding the right accounting team. They are people who will make you money hand over fist, not cost you money. That's an investment. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think a lot of people get confused when they when they think about brokers and broker fees. They're like, oh, surely I'm getting screwed somewhere. Someone's paying them. If I'm not getting paid, I must be the product. And it's like, well, actually, it's a it's a it's a good system they've got going on. They're, yep. A good broker is invested in actually getting you the right loan structure because if you can get the right loans and get the right finance. You're going to become a repeat client, right? It's really good business for them, and so they're not in the business of just finding out who's going to give them the biggest biggest commissions. They're in the business of creating the creating the longest relationship. So, yeah, that's just my two cents on that. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, if you work, with, if you find one that you really love and they really understand your situation, because the function is that they take all of your, they take your whole balance sheet, your whole situation, and determine like what does this look like to all a variety of of lenders, and they can determine like what is the most that you'll be able to borrow, mm. and based on your situation and your goals, which like these handful are the best for your situation. But they'll also like recommend like you know if you do have a, a five thousand dollar credit card. I know again for a lot of single moms, like that is a lifeline for a lot of people, and the idea of you know just cutting up a credit card is really scary because. That's just a lifeline for so many people. Sometimes there's a situation where you actually won't need to, but you know you might end up having to go with a broker who, um, not a broker, a lender who has a slightly higher rate. But then maybe you get to keep your credit card. And then there's 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 a different situation based on what you are willing to do, and you know the speed that you want to run, the risks that the, the you you feel comfortable with. Um, mm. But having that good broker that you 
trust and you feel comfortable actually just collaborating with is so, so crucial. Yeah. Totally. So let, let's move on from that point because there's some other really interesting stuff in here as well, right? Yeah. Because when, when you think about like how, like how do we actually start making making this work and getting ahead? Now, I would like to point out something that's a little, um, maybe a little contrarian or whatever, but you actually don't need to buy properties to keep them, right? If you are starting out, the main game is how do you get ahead, right? Yeah. And so what that might mean for you, I remember... Um, I remember years ago when you and I were first sort of getting our interesting property and all of that kind of stuff. I remember looking at properties that we could buy for like $50,000. And I was like, oh my God, we've never got enough savings to be able to go and buy this like $50,000 property, right? Which was like, you know, what, you know, it was like t- 10 grand or whatever was required to actually buy the property or something like that. Yeah. Now, I'm not suggesting that's necessarily the, the best pathway uh, for people to invest, but. Uh, early on, early on, what's most important is that you try and find a way to accelerate your wealth faster than you can save, right? And so, obviously, making sure you're choosing the right investment because you could buy something just because you buy something cheap doesn't mean it's going to do anything, right? It could be there could be a reason it's cheap. It could be just not wrong place, wrong yep. time, right? Yep. So you've got to make a good investment decision. But there's also the capability to potentially be hands on, right? You might be able to find something that you can add value to. So really understanding your risk profile, understanding um, your appetite for projects, all of that kind of stuff as well. So there's different ways you can you can get higher higher leverage, right? So ninety percent, and some even some lenders will even go higher than ninety percent LVR. You can pay LMI. That gets capitalized into loan generally, right? So you don't even pay that up front. And that's a good way to accelerate your position. You can also think about maybe doing some projects, right? And and manufacturing some value. Now, an interesting thing to think about this is to think about your effective hourly rate. Because what I tend to see a lot of people do is they think, oh, you know what, let's go, let's go buy a fixer upper. And it could be we generally don't advocate buying apartments and units and stuff like that. But if you're early in your journey and all you can afford is to buy an apartment or a unit, right? And if you're going to buy something that is a dump and then do a renovation yourself and then sell it 12 months later, that might be a good way for you to accelerate your capital position as long as you're prepared to put in the work. Now, thinking about putting in the work, though, is a really interesting thing as well because a lot of people I see, they go, oh, we'll just go do the work ourselves, right? Now, there's a bit of a trade-off there. So, Generally speaking, unless it is your profession, it is going to take you two to three times longer and cost you probably 50 to 100% more because you'll make mistakes. Absolutely, yes. Right? And so you've got to consider the effective hourly rate of that time. Now, in a, in a pure like, you know, mathematical perspective, if you earn more than, if you earn more than 50 bucks an hour, it doesn't make sense for you to go do the work yourself, right? You could go spend that time doing some additional work for 50 bucks an hour and then pay someone less than 50 bucks an hour to go do the work. And they're probably going to be more skilled at you, more skilled than you. If you are earning 20, 30 bucks an hour, right? And if you have the capacity and the relevant skills, then it might make sense for you to go do some of the work yourself because you may actually make a saving on it. Um, But you know, a lot, a lot of people do take on a bit of risk when they do things like renovations as well. But I just kind of wanted to throw that piece in the mix as well. Yeah, for sure. And again, coming back to the, you know, a lot of the people that, you know, don't have partners are used to doing a lot of stuff themselves. They're yeah. used to, you know, 
this thing needs to happen. I don't have a lot of leftover cash, so I'm just going to need to figure out how to do it, which can be awesome if you are genuinely like interested in renovations and have a skill and feel comfortable painting and feel comfortable on ladders and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if you're not, like just don't don't even consider it as an option, I would say, because the stress of getting it wrong, like making a mistake or doing it, wrong or doing it in a way that people don't actually want the final product mm. that is that's more costly than the savings you would have made just paying a painter or a or a chippy or something yeah um yeah but i see you know as i said a lot of people do come into it initially going i don't have a good starting position what i need is i need a cheap asset and i need to be able to flip it like i need to be able to like either flip and sell it or renovate it so i can get you know, I can I can refinance it later yeah. and get some good yield out of it. Um, but yeah, really, actually, again, leveraging your skills that you actually have, and being realistic about starting position and time, and how realistic is it that I'm going to get the outcome that I want, and just acting based on that. Yeah, totally. The easiest the easiest way to get ahead in property is to buy something under market value, right? Mm-hmm. And buy something that's it's that simple, right? So, in fact, you and I did that. We bought. Um, our second, the first property we bought was a dud. <laughs> that was, um, you know, famously the one that kind of got everything started for us. The second property we bought, we bought it really under market value, and the benefit of that is that we were able to take equity out of it pretty, pretty like ninety days later, we pulled equity out of it and bought another property without it really costing us any money. And so, if you can kind of do that, and there's some way, there's some kind of thinking around that where you can really start to get ahead quickly as long as you. But that's once you've gotten to the point of of buying a property, you know. And so, I really think that fundamentally, it's about understanding what is required to get you to that point. And what is that entry point going to be for you? Like, is it going to be a $100,000 property or a $200,000 property or a $300,000 property? And what's required to do that? And what's your funding options? And how are you going to generate the capital? And, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And thinking, thinking about where you start is not necessarily where you end, right? Now, Often it's not a good idea to invest with another person, right? Often it's not a good idea. It can really complicate things like lending and, you know, what if you're not going to be friends with them later on and whatever. But if you've got a finite project, hmm? which totally happens. Yeah, which totally happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, but if you've got a finite project or a finite uh, investment thesis, um, then it can help you to get ahead to do it with somebody else. Maybe, maybe you've got twenty five grand, and your best friend of ten years has got twenty five grand as well, and you want to collectively go and buy a property and use that to try and get ahead a little bit, and then maybe with a with a thesis that you're going to sell it after twenty four months, and you know there's going to be some kind of value add equation in there as well. You know, there's different ways you can think about um, getting ahead, but but. Absolutely, I genuinely believe that it is within reach of pretty much everyone if they genuinely want to commit to it. Now, understanding what's what is going to be the most important required lever to keep moving forward is pretty critical as well. You know, you may need more cash flow, or you may need more capital, or you may just need, quite frankly, but understanding that before you go into it, before you get started, is going to be critical to making the right decisions and also knowing what entry, what price entry point you need to get to. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that comes back to having a good team as well who can actually help you to determine what that strategy should look like because if you're coming into the game you know you might have a moderate income and moderate savings so really you do need you know you need good cash flow to you know help your serviceability because you are nearly tapped out just on your just on your income now but then also you might have you know 
40 grand savings or something like like to forgetting into property having a low you know deposit amount and, and costs to get in um just thinking about finding people who can actually help you to plan like what is that first step because you've got such a narrow margin for error when you are in that position and so you know we've heard a lot of, a lot of clients have come to us who have you know they've done some some property education type type seminars who you know they might be in this situation where they've got a low income they've got low savings and the the thesis of the the seminar that they're going through is that you need to do you know they're called chunk deals which is basically Either, either finding renovations and flipping them and, and getting a big, like it's getting a chunk of cash out the back of it, which sounds good, mm. but the individual that's actually going through the, the process has a really low income and actually they're not, they're not, they don't have good serviceability. And so being able to work with people who actually understand a situation and go, okay, you're actually basically already tapped out. Mm. So what we need is we need to work really systematically to both boost your equity position, but also boost your cash flow position yeah. at the same time and doing that kind of dance, trying to figure out, yeah, how do we move you ahead because you are restricted on both sides of those equations? Yeah, 100%. And it's an important thing to, to think about as well. when you're If you are borrowing capacity restricted, mm-hmm. If you're limited in your borrowing capacity, which is quite probable if you are a solo investor and, you know, unless you're earning a decent, really decent income, buying a home is probably not going to be the best move for you because you're going to accrue non-income producing debt and that's going to corrode your borrowing capacity. And that might stop you from being able to move forward at all. And so just thinking through how you, like what types of things, a friend a friend of a personal friend of mine who um, was in a situation where he had inherited some money. He was on a relatively low income, and you know there was a death in the family, and he inherited some cash. And uh, he was sort of like, "Hey, you know, like goose, what do I, what do I do? Like, I want to get ahead. I don't want to, I don't want to still be working in this, you know, in this job and stuff in a, you know, you know, in however long or whatever." Um, so I gave him the advice that we give everyone else and showed him and kind of helped him to understand the plan. But he didn't take the advice and he went and he went and thought, oh, you know what I'll do instead is I'll just go and buy a home. And so he bought, he used all of his um, cash deposit to buy uh, all of his cash, all his inherited cash to buy a unit to live in, which is not his dream home. His dream home was to buy a house in the country on a couple of acres. Um, but instead, he bought a, a, a one-bedroom unit in um, suburban Melbourne and subsequently has he has no capability or capacity to, to borrow. And unfortunately, that asset also is going to grow slower. So he's actually really um, you know, hobbled himself in a sense because he made the wrong, the wrong financial decision about how to, how to deploy that capital in, in, a, in a meaningful way. Um, now, cool, he's got a place to live, but he's got to pay a mortgage on that and so he's still basically paying rent on it, right? So um, I'm thinking about, thinking about the deployment of the capital that you, that you generate is going to be critical in understanding what is going to help you to keep moving forward. Yeah, for sure. And I think with like, you know, buying a home, it doesn't necessarily mean don't buy a home, but it's also like if, you're, if you've got a home that is, you know, appreciating in value and is in, a, it's a good, asset in a good location it can be used or if you already own your home that has equity in it like you can then use it to further your situation forward but it is about that 
you know, don't just jump to, I've got one shot, I can only buy one and I'm just going to buy my home. Because yeah. you more than likely, if you're buying in a place where you want to live yourself, it's more than likely not the best asset or the best time to be buying in that location for your home and you're going to get stuck and you, you're more than likely not going to be able to, to use it moving forward. Yeah, totally, totally. Okay, cool. so let's recap. So we've kind of covered over you know, how to think about generating additional capital. We've kind of talked about how to make sure you're building the right team or the importance of building the right team, um, the importance of understanding your goals and your entry points and how to think about all of that kind of stuff. Do you feel like we've given people, like if someone's listening to this and they're a solo investor, uh, you know, whether they're 20, 40 or 60, do you think that we've covered enough ground to provide value? Do you think we've created some insights that are going to help them to understand that it is possible for them too? Or is there anything else you think we need to cover? I hope so. Like I think in, in principle, it's 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 similar to any anyone's situation where it's like taking stock of where you are at right now. What do you have available? What is your current situation? What are the limitations of where I am at? Mm. And where do I want to go? Like what are my goals in the long term? What does that timeline look like? That how, where, how far is that horizon? What do I need in the short term to keep me moving, keep me happy, keep me satisfied, keep me moving forward? Yeah. Um, and then working with you know a good team, a good broker who can actually help you put that strategy in place. Um, yeah, I think, I think they're, they're the realities and, and good insights for people. Awesome. Sweet. Well, let's leave it there then. I think this has been a really good and fun episode. Gabby, thanks, thanks for everything. It's been really good. I've enjoyed this conversation. Good topic. <laughs> Thank you actually. for everything. Thank you. Thank you, Gabby. <laughs> Thank I really, you for everything. I appreciate, I appreciate <laughs> you. I appreciate you. I am, I am grateful. Thank you. All that kind of stuff. So um, without any further ado, let's wrap it up and we'll see you guys on the next episode and we'll see you soon. Bye.